0: Welcome to There Is More to Our Story podcast, brought to you by Sea Gathering, a nonprofit research house, event space, a magazine, and now a podcast. It is here we get to share the voices of Indigenous leaders, medicine women, knowledge keepers, academics, researchers, activists, and speakers contributing to this knowledge weaving space gaining a better understanding of who we are, where we have come from, and where we can go to next. You could join us deeper inside of our Soul Seed House. Here we are providing the most comprehensive library of deep feminine and Earth-based knowledge, inviting people to become the researcher of their own stories, their own lineage, and their own ancestry, radically shifting the academic model of researchers going to study other people as outsiders. You can also join us for one of our events. We have a traveling yearly gathering that moves to a new country and culture each time by invitation. We'll be returning in the fall of 2021. You can also join us for one of our events, our retreats here in Costa Rica called Medicine is Our Nature. All information will be shared first for Soulseed House members, but keep checking back to the website for all updates. And if you'd like to become a supporter of this work, then consider joining our Patreon community for as little as a dollar a month. You can also support by one-time donation directly on the website. Or consider becoming a Patreon Bloom Fund member. It is here you get to contribute a substantial amount to a research, focus, theme, country or culture, a place where we need to bring greater awareness to, and a place that is usually underfunded. We're so incredibly honoured and grateful for all the support we've gathered on this journey so far. My name is Hannah Ruth Dyson, founder of Soul Seed Gathering, and I'm so excited to embark on this journey together with you. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to episode seven. I'm joining you today for another solo episode. I wanted to cover some basics, some aspects of this project, this work, talk a little bit about our history, our stories, the name of this podcast, There Is More To Our Story, and um, yeah, jump from there because some of the conversations I'm having, recorded conversations, are so deep and so vast, they cover a lot of terrain. I think it's really good to just anchor us here into um, some common understanding. And it begins with just looking at our stories and how we are made up of stories, of narrative. Uh, It really helps shape our understanding of the world, who we are And then, of course, where we're going. It's really important, especially at this time when we can see uh, so much of the world needs to change and adapt. And we, with it, that we look to our stories and look at the narratives that have been running our lives. The name of this podcast, There Is More To Our Story, is really there to expand the conversation. It's not to say um, any one truth in particular or to um, bring home any sort of sense of, This has been one way or the other. It's really just to add more to our understanding. And hopefully that ripples out into a collective shared understanding so that we can uh, shape the narrative in the way that will benefit all on Earth, including us, here to survive and thrive. And this is, in large part, I mean, looking to our history, I can speak for myself through school. I was given a very, I feel, narrow lens on... uh, history and its scope uh, really looking at the way civilization was developed how we progressed throughout our own civilization what's important to note here is that it's often sort of swept with one brush that we have overall progressed this is the dominant narrative I would say and I think we have progressed in a long way within our own civilization Um, but Perhaps if we look at the greater scope of history and we look at also some indigenous people living today with a different lens, we see that we are maybe not the most progressed society. And this is a huge point because it really is um, the dominant um, narrative and it really shapes policy, it really shapes how we um, influence other cultures and how we look to other cultures. I think it's taken a long time for me to unravel some of these biases and prejudices that that were embedded, programmed into my worldview. I think even uh, I would add to the conversation around race and gender and sexuality that's taking place today, important, necessary conversations, that sometimes we're still stuck in this... um, modern supremacy like uh, and I put always modern in a like quotation marks because even as we look to indigenous cultures in far flung corners around the world they've still been modernizing in their own way Um, but to really see ourselves as the pinnacle of progression and that actually we all want to achieve equality within this current system that is actually not designed for equality um is really i think a false understanding and story i think there's a deep fear of like if we let go of this modern world if this uh, civilization as it currently stands which by the way is you know killing our home and thus killing ourselves um we are going to go backwards. We're going to go back into a time that um, was very hard to survive. It was very difficult. Um, There was violence. We were more likely to be raped out in the wild. And I think these are very strong narratives and they've been so embedded into our minds when we look at um, images of cavemen and... um, we speak of Neanderthals, we have this picture of brutish men, you know, doing whatever they want and the evidence is so far from that. So we really need to shape a different understanding. Also, our earliest evidence of hunter-gatherer society show hunting that is shared, you know, roles that are shared across gender. We find examples of um, fluidity throughout gender. It's not a new phenomenon. We see this throughout time, throughout cultures. So this, you know, already expands the conversation and gives us a more authentic place to stand from. I think, for example, with the gender conversation, conversation or with the sexuality conversation it's kind of sometimes spoken as if it's like this new thing this new trend and it's like no it's actually a much older trend and it still exists within um different cultures outside of this dominant uh western narrative that most of us i think listening to this would be uh, if not all a part of um And so this is really profound. This is huge. If we have this fear of believing that out in the wild, it's more, um, you know, we have more to fear. I mean, we have, (laughs) we may have more to fear with animals. We might have to, um, you know, become more alert. This is another narrative that I think is a little bit simplistic. Sometimes when we talk about uh, fight, flight, or fright, or freeze, uh, we we have this image of, like, the tiger, um, uh, saber tooth tiger uh, coming to attack us. And, okay, that has some very real imprintation, this fear of um, not being the dominant um, animal species and needing to, you know, navigate our way out in the wild. But I just look to the hunter nomad nomadic gatherers um, that are still around today, and they tend to be very instinctual, intuitive, alert, aware, and. Um, not in this anxiety and fear that's kind of spoken of um, today from that sort of more ancestral past. And so I I even question that basic, um, simplistic assumption that uh, we are that way because of our hardwiring from our earliest ancestry. I believe that it's actually much more of a modern problem, this anxious, uh, stress, fear that's... um, disconnected from anything that's actually tangible i think you know when you actually are experiencing real like life fear you come into this um deeper alertness i think and um, a deeper respect for your environment you become more attuned and you become more intelligent then as a species <laughs> navigating um you know the outdoors the wild and we then have a relationship that's carefully balanced and a respect for the wild um, within us and around us and this actually I think creates a very gracious human at least this is uh, my experience and from what I've studied and what I've explored and what I've researched and it's you know an open question again I'm not trying to imprint this as a new um, affirmed truth it's just expanding the conversation and let us maybe look a little bit more closely at these assumptions Um, and again like you look at some of these indigenous cultures that are perhaps more living embodiments of our ancestral past when we were more connected to nature when we lived in balance when we had these complex rituals and ceremonies to um, be at one with the earth and to be connected with one another to respect this relationality with all things and with a group Um, it's very complex and you you really see this um, i think really beautiful wise intelligent dance um, between all of these elements and you don't see necessarily these brutish males dominating and doing whatever they want again this feels like a more modern problem that we have today. There's this, I think, assumption that if we did give up the police, if we did give up law and order and control, things would just turn into complete chaos and violence and danger. And actually when they've done small tests on this, I'm going to try and link something below that um, talks about this in more depth. Uh, but when they've done actually examples of uh, looking at this, coming, coming back to uh, natural law, attuning to nature and allowing ourselves to self-organize with her, uh, they actually see um, a beautiful um, balance and organization taking place and it's not this uh, thing to be feared, you know, we're not... Naturally, innately uh, violent and dominant. Of course, it's part of us, and that's why we have an intelligent, respectful way of interacting with violence. Next week, I'll be releasing my conversation with Tyson Younger Porter, the author of Sand Talk, and he speaks in his book about uh, violence being um, an important. Um, practice or understanding across gender and across all people. And there's a way to deal with this very natural thing but have it not sort of take over. And I think when we repress it and actually act like it's not a part of us in one gender in particular for women, then it can also be, you know, equally damaging. It can eat away at us. It can make us, um, you know, feel... Uh, perhaps victim to um, the world around us because we don't have um, that instinct intact. We don't have that ability to navigate uh, this very real um, tendency that can come can arise. And once we have more intelligence, like more awareness of the complexity of who we are and allow ourselves to develop these rituals and ceremonies to navigate this and really look after the small community, the tribe, the, you know, the village. We can really take a hold of, um, we can really navigate the politics of that because everything can be seen, everything can be witnessed and we can really then develop um These uh, ways of life that help us navigate all these very human tendencies and keep things in balance. Uh, When we start to extrapolate outwards and get bigger and bigger and bigger, of course, we start to um, be less aware of who is in control or in charge truly and how this is actually influencing the whole and is this actually in the betterment of the whole and who's keeping checks on those people. This is the problem that we're at. Um, And so, again, to look at our history, it really needs to be imprinted again and again in my own consciousness and I think um, likely with yours as well that, at least 95% of our human story there are signs that we lived in complete peace and harmony of course it's not perfect it's not utopian there's of course um, complexities of being human no matter what but there's signs that there were such like very little violence no signs of warfare this is really profound in imprinting who we are as humans and what we're capable of and how we're capable of living and surviving and thriving together and actually how when we work in relationship with the wild and the you know the natural environment that we are you know, we can experience abundance inherently. We don't have to live in scarcity and in this control, domination, warfare-like way. And perhaps we can see, again, when things changed was because of acts of climate change, uh, colder weathers driving people more into that warlike tribal mentality, into the more hierarchical model, and then invading other more egalitarian, warmer climates. We see the these trends that have taken place throughout history. And the huge issue we have with talking about this vast scope of history is that we have little clues from archaeology, uh, but really, most of all, the the histories were oral histories, and it wasn't until we, you know, had the written word that we started to lay a foundation of uh, who we are and an understanding of like this is, you know, the human story. Um, but of course, by the time we were even writing, we had changed the chemistry of our brain into a more linear way of understanding. So coming from this more relational, uh, broader perspective of the mind, where we can start to have complex relations understand weather patterns be very instinctual and intuitive we move more into this linear mindset through the written word through speaking through um yeah the way our civilization then developed um, through reading and you know this is how knowledge is passed on rather than singing and dancing and storytelling and all of these more complex um, relational ways of communicating um and so this was a huge turning point as we were starting to write our history the brain was already changing into this more linear way of comprehension and this also then changed the the way we organized ourselves you know the feminine being the principle of um, that flux that change, that dance and then you have the more um, linear sort of um, typically understood masculine traits of just um, straight lines and um, clear boundaries Boundaries and definitions. Um, so it started to erode some of the more complex ways of relating and on also the way we started to organize ourselves. Uh, then we see, you know, the shift into agriculture was a huge moment in time where we started to assert our control on the way things were done. Um, farming began the first. Um, yeah, we can see the first uh, signs of slavery, of uh, hierarchy, and then husbandry, the ownership of the woman and the household and the managerial role, which, by the way, is uh, just as, I think, detrimental to the men as it is to the women because it creates um, this, you know, needing to be a manager. I don't know if any of you out there have experienced trying to be a manager or... Um, run something it's very complex and it's not always the most fun role and so i think there's a lot of burden that was placed on the men that is you know also shaped throughout time this um heaviness this need to assert control and dominance and then these very complex um relationships forming between more like uh, static homes more static places how do you develop trust across um you know borders across tribes you created this uh you know m- like giving your daughter away as a sort of marriage swap, and then again this uh changes the the autonomy and the um the respect as well that we have for the feminine or for women and um that you know we still don't know hundred percent like how how this shaped over so many hundreds of years how this slowly eroded also the um the personalities of women you know even the ability to have a voice or to take action we don't um fully know the whole story which is really important to say as well when we look at history a lot of assumptions are always made a lot of bias and prejudice is inherently involved because we are human when we look at evidence we don't really see things as they are we see things as we are and how we are conditioned already within a current society so that's really important to say when we look at the earliest um forms of archaeology developed in the Victorian era under this very Puritanical white male lens we can see that uh, the way our understanding was shaped looking at these archaeological evidence was from this very um yeah puritanical lens and how this is still continuing to this day and how we look at things and how we've shaped an understanding of the past more and more uh quote-unquote discoveries are being made of this egalitarian past of women in leadership women respected in uh you know religious sort of sacred, spiritual, shamanic roles, Uh, the way, you know, we're now looking to um, tribes across Europe that had female warriors, that had women in trade. You can find these burials in the Viking and Germanic tribes of women, you know, with the most riches and with uh, very clear signals of witchcraft um, that was respected, not witchcraft that was vilified or made satanic that later came with another big change, which was with the church. And, you know, we can look also to the roots of Christianity. You can see actually this is very, um, you know, Peasant like religion or spirituality, one that was not popular for a very long time. And we can see the moment that it became politicized, that it became a use, uh, a tool to be used to bring people under one god. You know, before we had families who worshiped different gods, and it was again these complex relationships, this more egalitarian ways of life, these people that really had to dance all the time between families, between complex exchanges, and really develop these sort of. Um, Um, rich, um, like, you know, promises and credits and gifts. And, you know, you became indebted to people. This was very um, complex way of living. And so in many ways, it felt maybe more simple to look to a leader, to look to one God, to all come under one religion. It had a powerful effect of drawing people into its cloak. And then a ability to create actual armies to 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 fight under a god to fight under a king, and we see the way the you know even the first texts of the Bible were shaped. What was included and what was removed was all part of this political discussion of what is useful for what we want to shape in this society. And we see the far-reaching effects of religion, in particular Christianity, on you know pretty much all over the world and still to this day it's one of the most aggressive forms of colonization missionary work that goes in and disrupts the spirituality that creates confusion that creates a sense of disconnect and loss of culture that then erodes a community in a way it's connected to one another it creates actually um, we see again and again the first signs of um, competition and jealousy developing under this uh, new format of religion and and then the ability to assert more control and dominance and move people and you know extract and um, use politically then as well it can really uh, damage the, the ecosystems culturally and also environmentally and so the also this very dominant story that has um, you know permeated everything in I can say because I didn't grow up. Um, Directly in the Christian faith, but it was uh, a a continuous um, story that was um, underlying the society I was part of and it was also still part of my schooling, our morning assembly, our morning prayer was Christian based and these stories would always annoy me as a small girl. And then later a a woman, a young woman, because I just didn't see myself in these very simplistic stories of, uh, of women. You know, there's more complexity with the male roles and the male stories, but really it felt like we had Mother Mary or Mary Magdalene and they were, you know, one was pure and one was um, to be feared or as a warning sign of this is what a damaged woman does and um, this is, you know you know, you have one that's a a virgin and one that's a whore and these are your two choices and I just didn't see myself or other women in those stories and so I felt very... um Yeah, like craving some deeper aspects of humanity, of spirituality, of an understanding, a shared understanding of um, who we are all together. Religion has such a powerful effect of um, making us all feel part of something. So when that breaks down and when we start to question it and when we don't see ourselves in it, it starts to become... um, you know, really we can see that science has become the new religion and there's many problems with that also because science is not fixed, it is not, Based in facts. It's based on progressed knowledge. And all the time trying to disprove what we already know. This is the beautiful art form of science. But we're taught of it in this very material way of factual knowledge. And this has permeated our mind in the way we even look at history. We again look at it as factual. This is the way it was, rather than an evolving story and one that is never ending in terms of learning about what how it actually was. And when we look at these deeper aspects of our history, that was based in oral culture, and when we look at indigenous stories, which are still uh, mainly based in oral cultures, we can easily dismiss it because it's not based on fact or a written word. Or and you know, then we have to question, like even those written words, what was all the biases done at the time? You know, most of our understanding of the more pagan, um, earth-based cultures, indigenous cultures in Europe, were based on the priests who came in and wrote about them and wrote. Uh, just from their very limited perspective of these people. So you can see how uh, really limited our understanding. When we think that, again, 95% of our human story was really um, in this earth-based way, in this female-centered way, and we know this because of the archaeological evidence, it doesn't take much to assume that if you don't find any male figures of worship and you find female and you find these... um, the complex uh, sort of rituals and ceremonies, artifacts that showed that women were, um, the feminine principle was at the center. Yeah, it's not hard to assume then that um, women were important and recognized and honored and revered. And and then thus nature also for being this uh, fertility principle, for this creation principle, needing to respect nature and the way uh, she her seeds are grown and then blossom and bloom and harvest and then how that pollinates and, you know, you respect these deep cycles because our survival and our thrival is based on it and so... um yeah there's, there's still so much to our story and this is why we're on this journey together in this podcast and why I'm so excited to bring so many other voices to uh, this platform to this space so that it's not just me speaking about this like I have for the last seven years it's uh, so many others as well and there's of course so many beautiful books that you can look into and ones I'll be recommending more along the way um, but I just wanted to yeah drop in today and give a little bit more of this um, overview to kind of root us into this um, common language. It's something that we'll touch upon next week with Tyson Young-Porter where, you know, we have these stories that healthcare has been the best it's ever been and the infant mortality rates were um, at the highest and I have to stress that is again within the current civilization we came from living in very poor conditions in cramped conditions you know pee and urine being like thrown out of into the into the streets and of course this is like a breeding ground for disease and is highly um yeah dangerous for pregnant women and um and birth but to you know To fear birth in its natural way, (laughs) to fear um, living in nature, to feel fear that without these. Dominant systems of uh, control, hierarchy, education, medicine, um, schooling, etc. is like the only way that we can, you know, keep evolving and thriving is completely false. I mean, I've just seen just with some of the, you know, communities that we've worked with, some of the elders are the most alive and alert and active and healthy that I've ever seen. And they're not connected to modern medicine in the slightest, so this is already, you know, expanding that assumption that we are the pinnacle of progress. And uh, again, I always go back to the Kogi because it's such a beautiful frame of uh, reference and viewpoint that they see us as their younger siblings. They have one of the longest, of, you know, living continuous. Um, cultures and they see us as a very infantile culture which is true when you look from their lens the depth the wisdom, the way that they are connected and understanding their home, their habitat, their way of life and then the rest of the world through that lens is so profound and one that we can only begin to even grasp from our limited um, conditioned mind and one that uh, I hope to spend the rest of my life expanding into. You know, I think there's a common conversation, I'm going (laughs) to jump a little bit around now, but there's a common conversation that like when you go and do plant medicine Medicines, which is maybe with ayahuasca, iboga, um, peyote, like ways that we can maybe connect to this more vast depth of knowledge and seeing and understanding and wisdom with the natural world. There's this conversation right now around integration and I think it's this assumption that we want to integrate back into our modern lives And I'm seeing it more and more in this frame of, no, we actually want to integrate back more into this indigenous way of being that is more a a philosophy, a mindset that will naturally shape the way we do things. And I don't think it negates technology or the way um, perhaps we're, um, you know, the tools that we've developed, but I think it definitely shapes the way we use them, it shapes the way we organize ourselves and it especially shapes the economy which affects us all. It shifts us back into this deeper relational way of being and respect of exchange and more complex ways of living and being here and not being afraid to mature into this complexity because it's actually more enriching, fulfilling and gives us a deeper sense of contentment here on earth. So that's my little spiel of this podcast, the themes that we're working with. I hope it gives a little bit more context and understanding, something maybe you can come back to. And I really hope it'll be a good jumping off point for next week's conversation with Tyson Younger Porter, where we cover a lot of ground. Tyson, in particular, speaks to many different things uh, quite rapidly. And I wanted to give a little bit of this um, storytelling beforehand uh, to also prime and ready ourselves for that, because... If it's completely new, it can feel very um, jarring and triggering and also um, it, we might question its validity or its truth and w- it might still do all of that and we should question everything that we're listening and taking in. But I wanted to share a little bit more context and it's what we go deeper within the seat house to really shape a better understanding of who we are the world that we are a part of, where we have come from and where we can go next. So until next week, I'm sending so much love to wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening. If you received a lot from this conversation or knowledge share, consider supporting us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. This can be found at patreon.com forward slash soulseedgathering. You can also make a one time donation directly on our website, soulseedgathering.com. It is here you can also become a Soul Seed House member and receive these conversations and interviews first, alongside bonus content, transcripts, and this incredible growing library of deep feminine earth based cultural knowledge. You can also become a patron Bloom Fund member. This allows you to support a country or culture or theme or focus that is needing greater awareness and attention in the world. We are entirely independently funded so far, so thank you for every single amount offered to us. It really means so much and a special thanks to our post-production by jack palmer for alma chrome and a special thanks to temple of the way of light for offering us this recording by olivia arabello the incredible shibibo medicine woman no longer with us sharing her ikoro her medicine song this was weaved into incredible track by jack palmer so again thank you and sending so much love to whoever you are in the world